before we start snowing, right? we probably should pray. Why don't we pray together? Father, we ask you to reveal yourself to us in this time together. Show us who you are and show us who we are and how we can connect with you. We pray you'll open our hearts and our minds to what Jesus is teaching here. We know that he had the best relationship with you as Father that anyone could ever have. But he wanted us to share that and enjoy that. So we pray that you'll teach us what it means to hallow your name, to bring your kingdom, to forgive others, and to be, be grateful for what you give us in our daily bread. We pray that you'll help us with our temptations and testings, and we pray that you'll help us to see you as you are. Also, God, we pray just right now um, for uh, uh, the, the rulers of our country. Uh, we pray for Theresa May and her cabinet that they rule wisely. Uh, we pray for the authorities in France for the people of France that you give them a sense of your comfort and they would look to you for the comfort that only you can provide. Feel the same way, Father, for the people in Turkey. God, they, um, they have turbulent times there. We know that Jesus is the answer. Uh, Father, we pray that uh, this will be an unprecedented time for our congregations that we have there in Turkey to see people turn from false gods to you, the true God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, how many of us up here have ever prayed in our lives? Ever? Yes? Yeah. Okay. At least once? Yes? Okay. Um, in that case, you join the 45% of British adults. You are part of the 45%. SPCK did a survey in March, which was published in March this year, um, which indicates that 45% of the British public pray. Now, how often they pray, who they pray to, and what they pray about, we don't know in this survey. But it is indeed interesting that almost half of the population of this country pray. There is something unnatural about prayer, speaking words into the empty air, but there is something fundamentally natural about prayer. Surely, if at least half the pop, you know, getting over half the population pray, there's, there's something driving that. Now we sitting here and with this Bible in our hands have a particular understanding of that. But I think it's so important that we talk about prayer for ourselves, but also find ways to talk about prayer with people who don't follow Jesus Christ, who don't have an understanding of God. And maybe what we'll talk about today might help us with that. That's a way we can connect with people and really help them. So everybody prays pretty much. I think we're very lucky to have this teaching on prayer in our hands. Uh, let's go through, what I'd like to do is go through the prayer bit by bit, fairly briefly, because most of us here have read this or prayed it, actually, I should make a number of times. And then I'm going to ask us to break up into some um, in, in twos and have a good discussion about some of the meaning. I emailed our sheets to some of us during the week. I have printouts here, which we'll use as part of the sermon today, and then we'll conclude back together. So let's dig in and see what we can uh, find in this passage. So we start with Father. Jesus said the first word that you should pray is Father, uh, which in the uh, Greek is uh, part of the Pater, but uh, in the original Aramaic, Jesus would have spoken would almost certainly have been Abba, meaning more like a daddy uh, word. The address of a child to its parent. In other words, not the address of a subject to their Lord. Jesus is not modeling, uh, although it's finally called God, Lord and Master, and this prayer, when he's asked by his disciples, how shall we pray? His first word he gives them is more like a daddy word. 
He's shaping their whole understanding of what it means to have a relationship with God. This is a child talk. This is a, a child talking to their father. Why do you think Jesus started the prayer this way? Any ideas? Why would he start the prayer with it? He could have started it dozens of different ways, especially in the, the old covenant traditions and the words that could have been used from uh, a Jewish understanding of prayer and addressing God. So why why you start with this word? We're so familiar with it, we don't even think about it, I think. But why, yeah, Becky? Um, well, I suppose it's trying to bring them to more of a closer connection with God, especially they come from a Jewish background where God was a bit more distant. Somewhat more distant, holy of holies and all that kind of idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm, good, thank you, yeah. Anything else? Yeah. It's building relationships. It's a relationship straight away, not, uh, not a transactional thing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Very good, yeah, that's true. Sets the tone as well, isn't it? Yeah, kind of informal, confident, two-way thing. Yeah, it's just a top-down instruction. Yes, yes. I mean, Jesus is giving instruction, but the first instruction is to is to relate to God. Yeah, it's a relationship. We need to think about that. We'll think about it a bit more as we go through. The second thing he tells them is to pray, "Hallowed be your name." Any idea what "hallowed" is all about? Yeah, consecrated or sacred, sacred holy. holy. Yes, yes. Okay. So, why, why is next? You know, we talk, just talked about a relationship, and now it's hallowed, hallowed, holy. What's going on here? Do you think? Why is this important? Which holy is, is name to set apart from any other God. Yeah. Excellent. So it's it's God for who He is, not who we want Him to be, who we think He is. And what other people may say he is, it's God as he is. Hallowed be your name, isn't it? So what's your somebody say? What's the understanding of the understanding the significance of the name in Judaism in um, in that culture? What does the name come to represent? Jehovah in this context? A bit more than that too. That's right, a bit more. Is it supposed to talk about your character? Okay. Yes. So the name. <coughs> When you talk about someone's name, it's not just their, their title name, and especially in the context of God. God's name is all of who he is. Right? I am who I am from Exodus. So it's all of who he is. That's his name. It's just he is who he is. And so he's, uh, what Jesus is talking about here is that God is to be holy, is holy and to be reverenced. And he's, he's, his name is not just a label, but it's a summary of his whole character and person. So we're conscious of this God that we are praying to. It is him. It's important. And in a sense, I think it's not so much a request as an act of worship. When it's when we pray, hallowed be your name, I think rather than, wouldn't it be nice if your name was holy, because it already actually is, it's more that we worship you as holy God. You are that great God. Psalm 111, if you want to look it up later, gives you a phrase which would have been familiar to uh, the people listening to this. Of course, in the Old Testament, God's people were told to keep his name holy. You see that reference many times in Ezekiel in particular. Why were God's people supposed to keep his name holy? Because then the nations would know who God is. So this is also about how we affect others by our lives. If we keep God's name holy in the way that we live, then other people will come to know God. And that connects with the next phrase, kingdom come. Your kingdom come. So, your kingdom come. What's going on? What's supposed to come? What does it mean for the kingdom to come? Why pray this prayer? <coughs> what do you think? 
your kingdom come. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. I went two ways. I was asking about went two ways. One is the kind of eternal underlying principle that the kingdom has come mm -hmm. and will come and will mm -hmm. come again. And then also the fact that Jesus was representing God's kingdom and he had come. Mm -hmm. So it was, I kind of went both through when I was thinking about it. Yeah, I think both were included. Yeah. Good. Okay. Anything, any, any other thoughts? Yeah? Um, I think pretty more about. Jesus' message for the first couple of years anyway was about his kingdom becoming and then it was all about having um, change. It's change. Change, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, repent for the kingdom is near. That was his, his message. Okay. <coughs> Alright. So the kingdom's coming, the kingdom has come, and the kingdom is still coming. Alright, so it's it's a development thing. It's change, it's development. It's what they call the already but not yet. Already the kingdom is here, but not yet is it fully consummated. Already we have uh, the Holy Spirit, but yet we don't yet fully enjoy all of what that means in this life. We, we have some, we have part of it, we have, we have it, but we don't have all of it yet. And, and so it's about, uh, it's, I think it's kind of a lordship prayer. It's saying, I'm a subject of the kingdom, I accept it. May your kingdom come, may I be, may I be a good subject of your kingdom. Make me part of that movement of holiness to re reverence your name and thus advance the kingdom as well. Then we come to the daily bread. Give us each day our daily bread, gluten-free or otherwise. So <laughs> what's, um, what's, what's significant about this phrase to you? Daily bread. Give us our daily bread. Why? This, is, this seems so insignificant compared to the holiness of God and the kingdom. And now we go from Father and holiness and all of God and who he is and the kingdom and then bread. It's, it's an interesting sequence, yes. I've just always thought of this as daily reliance on God. Uh -huh. um, complete reliance daily, not you know, and also includes not worrying about future things and things that have not yet happened because it's just today. Mm -hmm. Just give me my manner today and it will be okay. Today's manner, yes, good, thank you. Okay, uh, Neil, we've read a bit of space all the time, like that's food, very basic. That's what you need. If you got that, you, you, you'd live, you, yeah, but without it, you, you'd struggle. Good. Any other thoughts? Being fair? So kind of go give us each day so go to God to be fair. To be fair, I mean <coughs> you God to be fair. Okay. Great. Great thought. I believe what I was thinking about I back to communion. I know it was before that, but mm -hmm. the communion bread. Mm -hmm. So if I was going to commune with God every day, then it gave me that open line every day. Mm -hmm. But it also meant that I was if I'm communing with God, that's it. God. Good. Okay. So today's bread is today's bread. That's right. It's um, it's not worrying about tomorrow. Being, I'd say, it's being content with what is sufficient. And in our prayers to to God for our own needs, we're really we're best off praying for what is sufficient, rather than what we feel we want or need. God, give me today what's sufficient to get through today. Look, all of us would love to flick a switch with one prayer and suddenly be totally bold and courageous and never fearful ever again. Or completely, utterly loving and never ever grouchy. Or completely uh, full of faith and never doubt ever again. Or uh, incredibly patient, like so patient people would write books about us about how patient we were and we never want to struggle with impatience. 
We love to be better to pray that prayer and flick that switch, but that's not how God works, right? Because we grow into Christ. Sorry to disappoint you, um, But if I have enough patience for today, that will do me. If I have enough faith for today, that will do me, right? That's, I think, part of the prayer is being content with what is sufficient. That the, the each day is at the end of the phrase. It's not put that way in the English. It doesn't read so well. But it's, um, give us our daily bread each day. Or the daily. That's the emphasis is on, on the daily part of that, uh, that phrase. Um, of course, in those days, most workers were paid daily. So you only got your days paid that day. In other words, they had zero hours contracts in the first century, just like we do today. Mm -hmm. So you had to be paid that day to get that money to buy your bread that day. So it was a very common idea. I just, if we just have what's sufficient. And in fact, I think as Jesus is alluding to the fact that even his followers are kind of poor. In the Old Testament, they had, an, they had a poor tithe. You gave various tithes for festivals and various things, but you also gave a poor tithe. And that tithe was kept in local villages by the village elders for distribution to people who were uh, going through hard times. And you could go to the village elders and say, I haven't got enough bread for today. Can you give me today's bread? And then give you enough money for that day's bread. But they'd only give you the money for one day. They wouldn't give you the money for a week or a month. Because you might go off to some other village and say, I need, a, I need some bread. Give me a, month, a week's money for bread. And so it was a way of preventing benefit cheats. We uh, had those two in the first century. So you only got that day's bread. And so Jesus is saying, you know, I only got today's bread. My disciples only have today's bread. Just pray for today's. Don't worry too much about uh, tomorrow. And then forgiveness. Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sins against us. I suspect that this idea is in mind from Luke 7. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been for forgiven little loves little. It seems to me if we fully understand how much we've been forgiven, then we won't have such a hard time forgiving other people. It's about love, really. It's about gratitude for God. Not earning forgiveness, but if we don't forgive others, have we really understood forgiveness ourselves and the God that we say we love? Forgiving others reveals that we have the same heart as God. And I think this prayer is very much about helping us to align our heart with God's heart all the way through. And then temptation. Uh, uh, lead us not into temptation. Now, James chapter 1 says God cannot be tempted and he does not tempt anybody. So how do we reconcile this, people? All right, Jesus says, uh, lead us not into temptation, but God cannot tempt people, does not tempt people, cannot himself be tempted. So something else is going on here. What are we perhaps not understanding? What's behind this phrase, do you think? Any ideas? The brains are working. Go on. Satan tempts us. Satan tempts us. Okay, so we're going to be aware of temptation. It's kind of like help us stay away from it, not to stay away from the awareness that it will come, and we need you to help us mm -hmm. to get over, stay away from it, or not fall into it. Mm -hmm. Stay away, helping us to be uh, concerned or alert to the temptation. Not naive. Not being naive. Okay. Helps not to be naive about temptation. Which we can be. Yeah. Is it an acknowledgement that there is another entity? There is, but God's still in control of that. There's still another. There's good and bad. Good and bad. Okay. Yeah. 
acknowledging that. So that is what I think. Um, I, mean, I suspect that you could, the word that's translated temptation can also be translated testing. So it may be that Jesus is asking us to pray that we will be in line with God's understanding of the purpose of, temp of testing in our lives and not allow ourselves to be, uh, and to be alert to the idea that sometimes our testing can lead us over into sin if we're not alert. Because when we're tested, and our patience is tested, um, and uh, our love is tested, uh, we can become unloving, and we can become impatient, and we can become angry in an unhealthy way. So the, the phrases here lead us not into temptation, uh, but we know there will be temptation. So we need to be alert and aware of that. Perhaps it, has, it carries the idea of these, uh, the fleeing idea, flee from sexual immorality, 1 Corinthians 6, flee from idolatry, 1 Corinthians 10, um, flee from all this, 1 Timothy 6, and flee the evil desires of you, 2 Timothy 2. Perhaps there's something about God help us to be alert to and willing to flee from the temptations that come our way. Uh, some of you know I volunteer with an organization called New Hope, but I didn't realize it was connected with Grace's School, which is interesting. Um, but one of the things I do is uh, spend time with people who are recovering from addictions. And uh, I was with a chap this week, and we were out for a walk, and he's recovering from cannabis addiction. And we were walking along, and he, we smelt somebody had been smoking cannabis nearby, and he immediately wheeled around, like, like uh, almost aggressively. Uh, you know, like you just turn around. It wasn't just a, a gentle turning around. It was like someone flicked a switch and boom, I guess walked in the opposite direction. And I turned around and walked, walked with him. He said, I can't, I, can't, I can't be near this stuff. I can't even smell somebody else smoking. It's, I, I've got to get away. And he was very anxious for a while, as you can understand. Perhaps it's something to do with that, that we flee. And we're alert to the temptations that we have. Now, um, moving on and briefly... The parables. We've got two kind of parables here. One about the chap with the bro uh, the, who goes to the loaves of bread at midnight, and the other one where, where Jesus is comparing fathers and sons and snakes and scorpions and so on. And I'm not going to go into all of this now because I think it's fairly self-explanatory. Um, the question is, do we know who we're praying to? I think is what's going on here. Which of you would give a snake to your son if he asked for some bread? That's our son Fred many years ago. He used to have a snake called Ripper. And that's when he first got it. That was about uh, it was about a few weeks old. The snake there, and uh, and he's enjoying playing with it, as you can see. Uh, it did escape a few times, um, and uh, memorably once uh, escaped, and we hadn't seen it for a month. And then uh, Sharon Ocean B was in our kitchen, along with Penny Chatter, and suddenly Sharon screamed and jumped like to hit the ceiling. And uh, there was the snake poking out from behind the boiler. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it's forked up. Uh, and uh, we managed to get the snake uh, back into his cage uh, that time. Um, but, you know, it's fun to have. Uh, uh, well, uh, it did escape again, but um, it was kind of fun for Fred to have the snake as a pet. Some of you might you know it's fun, some of you might not, but anyway. But, but Fred, when we didn't give Fred a snake in replacement for his yeah. So that's a slightly different thing. What we've, what we've got here is uh, we've got relationship again. We started with relationship with Father. And we have a relationship again in these panels. So the friend says, I've got a friend who came to me at midnight. I need some bread. He goes to his neighbor. It's all relationship. I need this for someone. 
And then the father and the fish, snake, egg, scorpion thing, it's fathers and children. So it's all about this relationship all over again. And, and it's the shameless audacity that gets the, uh, the request. I love that phrase. It's really, really an interesting thing. Uh, this uh, quote I like. If we do not want what we are asking for enough to be persistent, we do not want it very much. It is not such tepid prayer that is answered. Tepid prayer. If we expect that God is our Father and wants to give us what we need, why pray tepid prayer? Doesn't really make much sense, does it? Right, we're going to spend the rest of our time talking to each other. We'll finish with that. Just a couple of thoughts, and then we'll finish with a, with a prayer together. It seems to me it's, a, it's an if-then thing through the whole um, uh, prayer. There's an if-then. If then. There's a um, if if I understand the Father, then of course I want His name to be hallowed, and if I want His name to be hallowed. And part of that means that then I'll be able to, to help usher in the kingdom. And as I usher in the kingdom with Jesus as Lord, um, what am I going to need? I'm, I'm going to need my daily bread, and I need to be sufficiently con contented with that because I don't know about tomorrow. And of course, the history of the early church demonstrates that. We didn't, didn't have a tomorrow. And if I'm sufficient, I've got what I need, and I'm happy with that, then I understand contentment and peace, and I'm able to forgive others. I, I understand the forgiveness I've been given, and I'm able to forgive others. And when I'm in that situation where I'm grateful and joyful about my forgiveness and offering it to others, surely then I'm going to be tempted. Uh, I'm, so, I'm going to be strengthened against my temptations and able to withstand them and the tests also that come. Uh, I think there's a bit of an if-then thing going through the whole uh, prayer, which I think is very powerful, actually, and can really help us. The other thing that I wanted to share with us all, just as we finish, is something that I haven't really noticed as clearly before when I was preparing this, is the fact that it is we and us and our all the way through. Mm. And this is often, of course, private prayer, and that's okay. But, you know, we, we in our tradition, in our churches, we don't have much of a tradition of reading prayers that are written and, and reciting them together. We just don't tend to do that. That doesn't mean it's right or wrong, but it's not something we're used to doing, and I would say it's probably not something quite a lot of us are comfortable doing. Um, I remember Leon and Sarah Wedding, that uh, I think I was asked to lead prayers. And I went along and I met the minister, and we talked about the organ service, and he said, Yeah, you'll lead the prayers. I said, That's fine, and I was going to go up and pray, and that was the end, I think it was. And uh, he sprung on me in the last moment, Oh, and can you lead the congregation in the Lord's Prayer? And I just, for a, I did a double take for a moment and thought, ah, I don't really want to do that, but I guess it's in the order of service. I guess it's what everybody wants, and that's what he's asking me to do, and it's his church. So I said, okay. So I, I went up and, um, and did some prayers or whatever, and I started up, started off the Lord's Prayer. And it was interesting. I could sense the reluctance of some of our church members, mixed in with everybody else, of reciting a, a prayer. And it's an interesting thing. I'm not suggesting that we should recite it together all the time. But it, there is, Jesus does say, when you pray, say. Which doesn't mean it's a rote prayer, that we should do every word exactly like this. But there is something about praying collectively the same words. And I think that's something for us to think about. And wrestle with it. How appropriate and relevant is that in our situation? That we pray, it's us, it's our, it's we, not I, all through this prayer. So to think about it. Okay, good. Let's finish off with uh, praying together. And um, 
Oh yeah, some Goan. Sorry, some Goan, just to finish off as a thought. Um, I think it would be do well if we grow to know our Father better. It's all about the Father, really. Perhaps you want to pray this prayer regularly, but maybe you can reword it. I think asking shamelessly, God, give us, give us, give us what we need. Shameless audacity and praying together. Leo and I prayed this week. It was great. I really enjoyed it. And uh, maybe we can we do another praying together, whether it's a set of formal words or extemporary. Good. Okay, so we'll, we'll finish off. So I'll pray Father and Hallowed because no one else has that. And then who's going to do your rewriting of your kingdom comes? That this group here. You would do that. Your kingdom comes. Barry, then give us each day our daily bread is. You guys and you guys. Let's have our visiting friends do it. Is that all right? Is that okay? Simon Becky, alright. And then Forgive Us Our Sins is these two groups. You want to fight? And decide? <laughs> okay, it's Dan. Right. <laughs> and Leaders Not to Temptation was. Was that some other group? We didn't have that? Alright, I'll finish off with that. Alright, let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you that you are our Father, you're our Dad, you are our Abba, and. We know that you treat us and love us just as you love, as we might love our kids. God, you love us desperately and deeply. And we thank you that your fatherhood makes sense of our son and daughter's ship. And we are grateful that you treat us as your children. And uh, there is a judgment, but you don't treat us like a judge. You treat us as a father. And Father, we want your name to be holy. It is holy, but we want it to be holy in our lives. We want your name to be hallowed and holy and reverenced by the way we live. And that the world will see it, so they will know that you are our great and loving Father. We carry on. And, and Father, we look forward to your kingdom coming. We look forward to the day that uh, hopefully we will all be absorbed into the whole thing that is truly your kingdom. Yeah. And Father, we pray that you give us enough to do our daily stuff. Uh, not just food, but energy and composure. And we are Lord to keep all the plates spinning. Amen. Father, um, we pray, God, that uh, you help us recognise that at some point today we will sin if we not already have sinned. And at some point, God, we're going to need forgiveness. We'll need your mercy and we'll need your grace. And we'll definitely need your strength, God, our more strength to forgive our family, our friends spouses and, and even the people in this room and the people who go with God in our busy lives God help us to, to forgive those and have an attitude that we have God. Amen. Father, we pray that you strengthen us against the temptations that we feel so strongly sometimes within us. We pray that the temptations will not grow into sin. We pray, Father, you'll make us sensitive to sin and give us the, the, the heart and the attitude of wanting to to flee. That must be decisive about fleeing from sin. And even if it looks stupid or, or crazy to other people, Father, we, we want to keep that purity of heart and mind because that's what you've given us. Now we pray that you'll help us through our times of testing. We know we won't be tested beyond what we can bear, but God, we know sometimes when we're in the middle of it, it feels unbearable. Father, bear us up with your strength so that we'll be able to serve you and care about others as well. We thank you so much for Jesus giving us this instruction, Father. Thank you that he gave us these words and these concepts, these ideas. Father, they're so rich. Help us to keep growing in them. And as we pray this week, today, tomorrow, the next day, I pray that uh, whatever it is from this part of Scripture that you've intended us to learn and understand, you'll, you'll drive that into our hearts and that we'll be able to feed off it 
and grow in our relationship with you and grow in our, our prayer life with you, connected with you, not just at a moment of prayer, but all through the day and looking forward to that eternal relationship with you that we'll enjoy in the future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, everybody. I hope you got something out of that.